Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Across our state, New Yorkers are afraid. If they have family or friends in Israel, in Gaza, other places, they're afraid for their safety. Uh, at home, many people are wrestling with the fear for the first time ever, sometime in their lives, of being the victim of a hate crime. I wish I could tell you these concerns were misplaced, but tragically the data all across America is showing that hate crimes have surged in the last six weeks. Since October 7th, there has been a 400% increase in threats against Jews, Muslims, and Arabs. And make no mistake, we've not stood idly by. My number one priority has been and will continue to be protecting the safety of our residents. That's why I want to inform you about some of the actions that we're taking to keep New Yorkers safe from extremism and violence. We have a four-pillar plan. It's comprehensive and it's far-reaching. First of all, we're strengthening physical security of locations. We're also making the digital world safer by identifying credible online threats. And we're also calling out social media companies who have failed their responsibility to create a safe public square and creating resources and toolkits for parents and schools alike. First, let me share how we've already taken action to protect our vulnerable communities safe and to protect physical security. Two weeks ago, I told New Yorkers we were activating law enforcement to protect them. We mobilized state police to protect at-risk sites. We established a hate and bias reporting hotline. We made $50 million available for local law enforcement, $25 million to protect vulnerable locations. We also encouraged the use and understanding of our red flag laws to ensure that guns don't get into the hate-filled hands of individuals looking to do harm to others. That's just the start. Let's talk today about what we're trying to do to make the digital world safer. We know that social media is an emotion amplifier. If the emotion is love and that's amplified, that is a good dynamic. If the emotion is hate and that's amplified, that's the chaos that we're falling into today. You can also amplify the hate that just boils up from this toxic stew of ignorance and it becomes festered online. So we're creating strategies. First time ever, 
to help identify hate at the source and prevent crimes before they occur. As I've often said, I'd rather be in the business of preventing crimes than solving them. And that's where our threat assessment and management teams come in, the TAM teams. This is an initiative I actually launched over a year and a half ago in the aftermath of the Buffalo Massacre when a racist, after a racist shooting by a white supremacist who targeted 10 of my neighbors. That's when we activated more surveillance of credible threats for harm online. They work to track and stop violent acts of hate before they happen. And today I'm announcing $3 million, an additional investment to ensure that every single college campus now has these on the state of New York, in the state of New York. So let me be clear. These teams are working to identify violent threats. They're not looking at your Instagram sunset post or your tweets about your favorite football team. And they're not here to penalize anyone for their political views. They have a simple goal, to find out what's driving hateful behavior and intervene early before harm is done. And to give people who are being radicalized online an off-ramp. Off they work with mental health professionals, establish reporting systems, so classmates and others can raise red flags when they, and train adults how to spot the warning signs. We have 36 county-based TAM teams right now. Again, these are the threat assessment and management teams. They're already tackling over 50 cases now as we speak. But that's just one strategy to help protect New Yorkers online. We're building off the success of other initiatives. We already use targeted ads to encourage people to anonymously seek help from trained counselors. We have that going on as we speak. But also help parents understand what's available to them if they start seeing signs that their own child could be radicalized online, because I assure you most parents are never aware. And we're also continuing to train our mental health professionals in de-radicalization strategies. But here's the truth. So much of this hate originates on social media platforms like TikTok, who refuse to take action necessary to protect our children and young people. Just look at what happened this week. A prominent message shared on TikTok was one from none other than the mastermind of the 9-11 massacre of thousands of New Yorkers, Osama bin Laden. It was shocking to see young people extolling the virtues of a terrorist pink kingpin. That only proves the power that social media has over our young people. And therefore, they have a responsibility. I refuse to accept this as the new status quo. That's why I'm pushing back against these companies, pushing back hard. And as the steward of the 21st century public square, TikTok and other social media companies, they must start to regulate vile hate speech that originates on their platforms. They say they do this, but it's a responsibility they've obviously neglected to uphold. That's why I've called out the leadership of every major social media company to express not just my indignation, but to demand that they take concrete action to reduce the sickening hate that is being spread on their sites. They need better oversight. 
They need larger moderation teams and greater transparency. And I told them that in a letter that I'll be releasing to all of them today. So I'm expecting a response. I'm expecting a response from all of them. Now you know what we're doing in our attempt to stop hate on social media. I want to be clear about what we're not doing. We're not preventing anyone from exercising their First Amendment rights to speak. We're not preventing anyone's right to peacefully assemble. We're not blocking anyone from expressing opposition or support for political or military action in the Middle East. That's what we're not doing. But we're not tolerating the spread of hate. That's the difference. And the final component of our efforts centers around empowering educators and parents about the power of these radicalization efforts and how to take steps for de-radicalization, to dial down the temperature, to bring back some sense of calm and normalcy that seems to be so evasive these days. Let's start with our schools. Today I'm directing the Director of Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services to develop media literacy tools for K through 12 in our public schools. This will teach students and even teachers to help understand how to spot conspiracy theories and misinformation, disinformation, and online hate. Start talking about what we're seeing out there. Give the teachers the tools they need to help these conversations in school. And by teaching younger New Yorkers about how to discern between digital fact and digital fiction, we can better inoculate them from hatred and the spread of it and help prepare them for a very fast-moving and often confusing world. And now I want to speak to parents directly. As a mom, I know as we approach this holiday season, Thanksgiving, it offers a meaningful and sometimes rare opportunity to gather everyone around the table. Your children, younger, high school students, college kids who may be home for the first time since they left you in August. I encourage you to talk to your kids, not just about the rise in hate, but listen to them too. Ask them what's going on in their school and on their campuses and what their friends are talking about. Be the adult in the room. Listen to them, but help them find the path. What are they seeing? What does it feel like? Are they subject to this? Are they seeing their classmates being so hurt by vile speech and signs at protests? How does it make them feel? Encourage your children, especially the older ones. Don't just be a bystander. Be an upstander. Stand up for your classmates. Stand up for your friends. And talk about engaging each other in a respectful, tolerant way. Because the lessons that are being taught now, what young people are absorbing and understanding, will be with them for the rest of their lives. This is the time of great influence on our young people. And parents have a responsibility and an opportunity to guide them to do what's right. So as adults, they understand the beauty of diversity, 
celebrate our differences. But also, if you're a parent who's worried about the path your child is on, you're seeing things, you're hearing things, you're anxious, there are opportunities for you as well. Explain to your children the difference between disagreeing on a policy that a government may take and displaying hate toward an entire group of innocent people. There is a difference. And counselors are available to help parents as well with the messaging, how you help reduce the tension. The only way that New York State stands true to our core values of tolerance and inclusivity is for all of us to do our part to create the kind of society we want to live in. At the end of the day, what is New York but a place that's comprised of people from all over the world? They come here because they're persecuted elsewhere. They came here for a better life. Jewish, Muslim, Arab, black, brown, white, young, old, it doesn't matter. They all came here. They're living here. And there's so much out there that should bring us together instead of driving us further apart. We don't always have to agree with each other. I don't expect we will. Most people don't agree with the person sitting across them at the Thanksgiving dinner table. But that's all right. Just do it with respect and a foundation of understanding and love. And honestly, that's what the majority of New Yorkers are doing. Most of us walk to the world with care in our hearts and reject hate wherever it appears. That's why I will not allow our state to be defined by the angry few that peddle in hate and violence. Instead, as governor, I'll continue to remind us of our shared values. So going forward, we'll be defined by how we come together to condemn with one voice the evils of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia which are so rampant today. As always, the nation, and indeed the world, are watching, waiting for New York to lead. And that's exactly what we're doing here today. Thank you. With that, I'd like to bring up Commissioner Jackie Bray to talk about more specifically about what our threat assessment teams are doing. Commissioner Bray. Thank you, ma'am. Um, as the governor uh, said, I want to speak a little bit more in detail about the work ahead and the work that we've been doing that this work is based on. Uh, we're, as the governor said, confronting this challenge from many angles. Law enforcement, of course, is an important partner, but so many of the answers in this space come well before law enforcement can act. We're starting in a sort of primary prevention way with media literacy. What's that about? It's about making our kids less susceptible to online misinformation. It's about helping them recognize how to be smart about sources of information, about what's a primary source versus secondary source. What maybe does the person providing that content want you to think? What might be the agenda behind that? And how you can seek out trusted information. We're going to start early uh, next year with a guide that will go to all of our schools. And then we're going to create age-specific, age-appropriate content that is content-specific to teachers versus administrators versus parents versus students. And any school 
that wants to jump in with both feet and partner with us. We're really excited to roll up our sleeves and do this work. And as the governor said, we're going to expand our successful threat assessment and management program and teams. Prior to the TOPS shooting, this state had three uh, threat assessment and management teams at the municipality, at the county level. We have 36 today. We have 13 more that are getting ready to launch on our way to making sure that everywhere in the state is covered by one of these teams. They have, over the last several years, managed 250 cases. They're currently managing 58 cases. And while the governor said what they do, these multidisciplinary teams that work to connect the dots and intervene before something happens, I want to give you some examples of real success that they've had. There was a grocery store chain that was receiving direct threats from an individual who had been denied employment. The individual had conducted surveillance and obtained information about shift schedules. He was also known to have access to firearms. The company reached out to the TAM team in the area, a newly created TAM team, after the governor's executive order in May of 2022, and they facilitated a temporary order of protection. The individual was taken to a nearby hospital for care, and at the end of this all, the individual thanked the TAM team for providing him with the resources that he needed uh, to get off of a path to violence. In another example, another success, school district officials were receiving threats from a former longtime employee. It was determined that this individual was really struggling because of health issues to sleep, and that was leading to aggressive, unusual behavior. The TAM team and a mental health partner, part of the TAM team, checked on the individual uh, after getting him the help he needed at a hospital. And the individual, again, thanked them uh, for making sure he got off that path to violence. In another instance since the top shooting, we encountered a man who was planning to replicate the top shooting as a copycat at another grocery store. He was referred to a TAM team. Uh, he had not only a stash of fire weapon, firearms, but also a manifesto. In that case, law enforcement intervened uh, and made the appropriate arrest. These TAM teams, when we can intervene without law enforcement resources and when we need to, bring law enforcement resources to bear. But they become spaces where officials who have different pieces of the puzzle can share that information. This expansion will take this work directly to colleges and universities. It will help train college and university security uh, and non-security staff on how to take this model. It's a model that was developed first by the US Secret Service and used over the last 30 years by the FBI uh, onto college campuses to help students really get the support that they might need uh, to get off a pathway to violence. I want to also talk a little bit about the rise that the governor mentioned in what we're seeing online. We saw in the month of October a 425% increase in threats towards Jews. We saw a 417% increase in threats towards Muslims and Arabs. Hate begets hate. We saw a 103% increase in overall threats. We saw a 50% increase in threats to women. When we allow ourselves to leave hate and threatening, threatening hateful extremism unchecked, it threatens all of us, not only the targets of that hate. We are seeing a toxic, toxic 
mix, a conflation, a motivation of both jihadists online and neo-Nazis and white supremacists. They're psyching each other up. And what that tells us is that fundamentalism in all its forms is what dr is driving hate. It's what's driving violence. As the governor said, we're not here to police thought. Uh, but the intersection of hate and violence is well-trod ground. Uh, and so we want to bring not only our law enforcement resources to bear, but also resources like our threat assessment management teams, also resources like media literacy, education, and toolkits, um, also resources like the provider network that we're setting up to intervene in clinical spaces to make sure that our clinicians understand uh, how to deal with people that have been radicalizing online and how to get them help and uh, uh, start the de-radicalization process. Thank you. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, yes. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd like to bring up now uh, Sheikh Musa uh, to give some remarks. Good morning, my fellow New Yorkers. Asalaamu Alaikum. My name is Sheikh Musa Drame. I am a lifelong Muslim community organizer who resides in the Bronx. Thank you so much, Governor, for your stellar leadership in fighting hate and financing its prevention. We truly appreciate you know, the timely funding that you just announced concerning hate. Governor, needless to say, since New York is home to the largest Jewish and Muslim populations in the nation, New York must be made a state where peaceful coexistence, the embrace for diversity and celebrate diversity should be a global role model, not a sanctuary for bigots. Madam Governor, New Yorkers on waiting list for organ donors don't care about race, religion, ethnicity, or societal status. To the contrary, all they care about is a match to survive. This proves that bias is nothing more than ignorance. And ignorance can be fixed with investments in peace building in our school curriculum religious texts, and preventive services. We cannot keep reacting to crime, violence, and hatred. They are inevitable. Therefore, we must prevent them with sound policies and adequate resources. We can respectfully disagree about politics. That is our right as Americans. But disagreeing with policy should not inspire hate for one person to another. We cannot give in to the forces of hate. We have different faiths, different backgrounds, different communities, but we are all New Yorkers. And we all agree we must live together in peace and harmony. Once again, Governor, thank you so much. And may God bless you and may God continue to bless our state and nation. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Goldstein. Thank you, Shane. Morning, everyone. I'd also like to thank the governor, Commissioner Bray, the entire New York State administration for what they're doing in this moment. Um, the governor is addressing 
all of the key areas that are the primary causes of the current crisis. And we have a crisis today. In New York City alone, in the month of October, NYPD reported a 214% increase, 214% increase in anti-Semitic hate crimes. How do we address this challenge? Recognizing that our community, the Jewish community, the Muslim community, all deeply on edge in this moment. The first is security. And the governor has been incredible in providing the resources to allow our communal institutions, and there are over 2,000 Jewish communal institutions in New York, the opportunity, the ability to feel safe. Our community must feel comfortable going to synagogue, sending their children to day school. We must, the largest Jewish community in the world, be able to live proudly public Jewish lives. Second, campuses. As we've seen, campuses have become the real uh, war ground in this current moment with extraordinary hate on all sides. We've seen violence. We've seen anti-Semitic threats that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime on New York campuses. And so extending the threat assessment teams to cover campuses is a critical, critical initiative. Third, social media. We know that the primary news source for people 18 to 34 is social media, primarily TikTok. We need to address the enormous misinformation, the enormous spread of hatred on social media and holding the major social media companies to account like the governor is doing with the letter to TikTok and the other major uh, uh, platforms is critical in this moment and they need to act, again, not to censor thought, but to take insightful hate off the platforms. Uh, and finally, education. Study after study has shown that the only thing that prevents anti-Semitism, that prevents hatred more broadly, is education. And it needs to start early. And focusing programs on K-12 education in an effort to educate our children who learn to hate, it's not innate, it's critical, critical that we need to bring education to change the current uh, narrative, to change the current moment. It's a long-term solution, but we need to stay with it now and for many, many years to come. Again, we're incredibly grateful to the governor from the very first moment. She has shown extraordinary leadership around these issues, and we are incredibly grateful to her and the entire New York State government administration for all they've done. Thanks so much. Now, with what you're doing today, which are the companies that you're addressing in your letter, and also how will your message differ from the efforts from, on the federal side, right? There was a big congressional hearing a couple months ago um, where people in Congress tried to grill the CEO of TikTok. They've been struggling to curb the, they've been struggling the influence of social media on young people. How will these efforts today make any dent in this? I followed the hearings in Washington a few months ago, but I think we're in a very different era right now of heightened anxiety. And if you want to talk about crossing the line when 
the whole world was appalled to see that the letters and messages from Osama bin Laden were being circulated on TikTok. I think that people are now in those companies realizing the power that they have that they've unleashed if they don't start pulling it back. So I think there's a, possibly a change in attitudes. Uh, I'm not naive about this, but we are sending letters to TikTok, uh, to X, Twitter, uh, to Google, and to Meta, Facebook, and Instagram uh, today. We're telling them that they pledged to do this, but they're not adhering to what they've said they would do. They say they're monitoring for hate speech. And we would say, I have instances where you are not being successful. So ramp up the number of people who are in charge of monitoring if that's a failure. Because if my state police can find it, if a college student can find it, then clearly the people you have hired by your company should be able to identify it and take it down immediately. Because that's what they say they're going to do. Uh, we're also making sure that they're, uh, they have staffing for these teams, that they understand their impact, that they start bringing together people from different viewpoints and understanding of what's, what is going on. We have a whole list of uh, what we're asking for. I don't pretend that we're going to change everything, but I'm not going to stay here and not do something. I mean, we are in a crisis, and I, as the governor of New York, have to step up, and I'm hitting it on all fronts. We talked two weeks ago about our investment in law enforcement and what we're doing to help on college campuses and, and protect vulnerable sites. But I said, it's still occurring. It's getting even worse on college campuses, for example. But the driver, I think, is, you know, as we talk about social media platforms being emotion amplifiers, that when people start having an emotion like hate or, or violent feelings toward each other, that just sends it out exponentially and beyond, virally. And that's what, that's what the danger of this is. So that's why we're not, you know, I'm not deterred by the challenge of this. I didn't say it was going to be easy. None of this is going to be easy. How do you change people's hearts and minds? That's a bigger task than saying I now have money for a program. But if we don't go after that with education and in the schools and in the, and in the mosques and the synagogues and try to have more interdenominational gatherings and people understand each other, then we're going to lose what has always been what New York is known for, our acceptance of others, our understanding of others. And I'm, I will not let that happen. So it's not going to be easy, Bernadette, but we're still going to make the effort. Yeah, then go ahead. Governor, um, beyond sending the letter, uh, what are the tools you're prepared to use to actually get action from social media executives? Well, we have a lot of people. I think you're starting to see some of the influence of advertising. You saw what happened when there was an outcry for the release of the or the, the uh, dissemination of the Obama, Osama bin Laden letter. So advertisers, uh, corporations who advertise on these platforms have an enormous amount of power. Uh, Elon Musk feeling the pressure of advertisers when he uh, tried to walk back what he said, but the damage was done. So I think that I can continue to work with not just the social media companies, but you hit them where it hurts, advertising. And that's another area we're going to focus on. But uh, I'm willing to have the conversation. They can try to prove to me they're doing more, and I'm going to show them where they're failing. And if they're genuine in their interests to make sure that their platforms are not hijacked by violent extremists and to bring it back to the original purpose, which is a, a way for young people to communicate and share ideas, the premise is not to share hate, it's to share ideas. And there is a difference, and these companies need to know that they're now purveying in hate. All right, 
Tim. Uh, you just mentioned Elon Musk. Uh, do you have a message for Elon Musk? I think yesterday, uh, Twitter, Exeter called, um, sued Media Matters over their report on anti-Semitism um, on X. I mean, it seems like that's where their reasons are going to sue Media Matters. Do you, do you have a message for them? Um, and he's on the letter? No, he's not on the letter. We have uh, the chief executive officer. I can put him on the letter. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm happy to put him on. Put, put Elon Musk on the letter. Um, my message is this. You can see from the outrage that was triggered by what he said, you know, embracing anti-Semitic thoughts, it has consequences. And it has financial consequences, which I think is important. They need to be aware that there is an entire society that does not support what they're doing and wants them to be more responsible about the power that they have to influence people. And I challenge them to use that power as a source of good to help dial this back. Let this be a time and an era where these companies start to pull back all the negative perceptions people have about what they do and make it positive. They have enormous power to do powerful, powerful good things and we're going to encourage them to use it. And that's all I can say. I'm going to be using uh, the bully pulpit of this position, working with other governors, and just at least making the effort to let families know that I'm here to make sure that their children and their young adults and their families don't have their, their minds polluted by the venom that is being spewed on these sites. That's what we're going after. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.